Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Founder Stories. I'm super excited to introduce our next guest. But before we begin, I want to take this moment to share my gratitude with you. I am super, super grateful to you who come here every single week and listen to these conversations with the most amazing and incredible people. Your support means the world to me and gives me the courage to go out and find more guests to share their stories so we can learn from them. So thank you, thank you, and thank you. Our next guest is my very dear friend, Ronnie Zahavi, CEO and co-founder of HiBob. Ronnie has a fascinating, fascinating story. He's a serial entrepreneur, having founded and sold a previous company for $300 million, has launched a very successful VC firm called Team 8, and his current startup, HiBob, has the most insane story. Currently, it has raised over $240 million. It's valued at over a billion, so it makes it a unicorn. It has 400 employees and over 2,000 customers. Insane growth and numbers, and we are going to get into all of that. In this conversation with Ronnie, there's nothing left off the table. Ronnie was super gracious, was very vulnerable, and really opened up. In our conversation, we talk about what it was like and what he learned from his grandparents, who immigrated from Baghdad to Israel with absolutely nothing, and the lessons he took from that. How he built a company during the dot-com bubble of 2000, the recession of 2008, and currently through the pandemic of COVID-19, and what it means to prepare your startup for an economic downturn. This conversation is amazing, informative, educational, and you're going to learn so much. So I highly advise you to grab a pen and paper and to take notes. Ronnie, thank you for this amazing conversation. I really, really appreciate it, and I'm super grateful for our friendship. So have a great listen, and if you do benefit, please suggest to a friend who can benefit too. This recording is brought to you by the Goodness and Kindness Foundation. If you're walking down the street, smile to a stranger. Do a good deed for someone else. Let's all strive to make our impact in this world to make the world a better dwelling place for everyone. So have a great listen, and please subscribe and leave a review. Hey everyone, I'm super, super excited today to have with us a very, very special guest. Today's guest is an absolute treat and honor to have on the Founder Stories podcast. He has not only founded one startup, he has founded three startups already, already sold one of them for a crazy amount of $300 million. He has founded a leading VC firm, and now he is building a company that is changing work for good. That is not just building a company for the sake of building a company and, you know, for, to make money and profit. He's building a company to change the way people live their lives. And we're going to get into that. But not only that, our guest today, Ronnie, the CEO and founder of HiBob, is a super, super duper dude, an absolute, really humble guy a father to four beautiful children, a great husband, and we'll ask his wife to confirm that afterwards, but he's just an awesome, awesome all around. So I am very excited to have him here with us today to share his story, not only how he got into entrepreneurship and built incredible companies and what the future of work is going to be, but also how Ronnie reinvents himself on a daily basis and a weekly basis to become the man who he is today, to show up in not just in work life, but in his personal life every single day. So Ronnie, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, fine. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. You're welcome. It's an absolute honor. I have so many questions, so many topics to talk about. So we're going to just going to jump right into it. It's all about honesty, transparency, and that's what we're going to accomplish over here. Ronnie, your grandparents came from Baghdad to Israel, and they came with a new beginning to, to, to the homeland to set up 
a whole new shop to leave what was going on over there. When they came, you know, from my understanding, they came with nothing. What, what do you think your grandfather would say now, or your grandparents would say when they, if they were able to have a blessed memory, they to see you of what you have accomplished in Israel when they came with just a dream? Wow, uh, this is a fantastic question. Actually, I've, I've never been asked this question ever in my life, and I'm 56 years on the road. My, uh, both, my, both my parents immigrated from Iraq. They lived in, in Baghdad for hundreds of years. They, they left behind not only properties, and they left behind their soul. They left behind a huge, and I, and I, and I can say, a amazing heritage when they decided in 1951 to, to make Aliyah to uh, the state of Israel. And uh, like many um, immigrants, many Olim Chadashim, when they um, immigrated to, to, to the state of Israel, it was not easy on any of them, including my, uh, my parents and my uh, grandfathers. And my, and my, uh, so, so for them, it was um, something that they believed in, vision. It was their mission to move, to put everything behind and to move to something different dealing with the uncertainty, dealing with a lot of challenges, uh, economical challenges, social challenges, family challenges, you name it. And, but, but for them, regardless the, the, you know, the challenges, they believed in something. And, um, you know, we are, what is it, uh, almost uh, 70 years uh, more or less since they moved to Israel. And I believe that between myself um, and my family, I think... Um, the move they decided to do uh, in 1951, I would say if, they, if they're like with us on this podcast, I'm sure they would be proud, not, not because of me, because what we have accomplished as a, as a state, as a society. You know, Israel is a well-known brand, and sometimes we forget or we underestimate what does it mean. Uh, you know, I've been in tech for 25 years. I can't remember even one example when um, I was in front of people. It, it, it doesn't matter where. Japan, China, US, the United Kingdom, anywhere. That um, people realize that um, I'm from Israel. And they only have great things to say about, uh, about us uh, as a state. You know, at the beginning of the uh, you know, COVID, all the small talks, I had with the customers and partners were about respecting what um, how we um, how we control and how we reacted to to the pandemic. But even before, I think they respect a lot uh, innovation. They respect a lot the fact that we are not afraid to fail. That it's all about teamwork. I think in many ways it's it's all about humbleness. You know how you how you view yourself around comparing to the others. So it is something to be proud of. Regardless, what do you do? Um, you can be in education, you can be in health, you can be an ambassador, you can be in tech. I think uh, we as a state, we have uh, so many things to be proud of. And I'm glad you brought this uh, question at the beginning of this uh, podcast. There's so many little things for, to unpack over there. But growing up with the grandparents that they believed in something and belief is so important in anything we do and having that, having a mission and having a true belief and we'll probably get it, we'll get into that because that's such an integral part of being an entrepreneur to believe in something. But growing up with grandparents like that, you know, what were the values they instilled in you from a young age? Yeah. Um, so I think it's exactly the same path 
uh, at least from my perspective. To me, the, the recipe to be um, a great entrepreneur is, I think there are many things, but if I need to, to, to summarize to what are the most important ones, I would say, first of all, be human, human being. Be a great person. Do your best to be honest and transparent with um, people around you. It doesn't matter whether you are a, an employee or a team leader or a CEO of a big company. And um, if if you give and if you behave nicely, you'll get in return twice or even triple than what you uh, what uh, what you offer. Secondly, grow yourself from being good to be exceptional. Good is not enough. An exception does not mean that you need to compromise about your work-life balance, about uh, you know, about your family, about your hobbies. Be exceptional means that uh, try to get you know, always take the extra mile, challenge yourself again and again, and lead by example. Because if people around you truly see that um, you are, you really stand behind the say, you know, grow from being good to being an exceptional then they will follow you. And if you do a good job in empowering them and, and showing them the direction how to do it, they will follow you and they will do exactly like you. If a, if a collective of people together believe that um, it is critical for themselves as individuals, for the teammates, for the organization to work for, for an industry, you know, growing from being good to, to be exceptional, then you see you see it you see it uh, moving and, and, and progressing as we go. Also, surround yourself by um, excellent people. I'm a great believer in building very strong teams. I believe that uh, my direct reports, the the CFO, the CMO, the CRO, the head of customer success, the chief people officer, from my perspective, they're they are all the CEO of what they do. They have the full responsibility and the authority to manage the teams, their KPIs, as they were the CEO of the departments. Um, it's all about empowerment. It's all about making sure that you first hire a great people around you that can step up and, and you know, step up, grow from being good to be exceptional, etc., etc. But if you surround yourself by great people, then you can grow, you can scale. There are more people helping you uh, take it to the next level. And if they do the same, when they think about their teams, I'm, I believe you can imagine the impact of um, how you build successful organization. It's not easy. Uh, it's not like you, um, uh, you click on a button and, 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 and you get into a, an elevator and, and you say, okay, now I want to get to the 12th floor. And that's it, easy. You click the button and you get to the 12th floor. It's all about climbing stairs, one floor and another floor and another floor. And, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the middle of the way, in the middle of the way, or you already reached the peak you wanted to be from, from the get-go. So what did it mean then to truly be to be truly exceptional? Like if you look at sports, for example, if someone wants to be, let's say, we'll take basketball, you know, basketball fan, Stephen Curry or Michael Jordan, for example. You know, to be truly exceptional, Michael Jordan had to practice every single day. He was there before everyone else. He shot the more shots. He practiced more shots. He, he practiced everything, right? And he just did it more to a whole next level. And if you, if you want to check out a, check, a great documentary, I'm sure you did already. It's a credible documentary on, on Netflix about Michael Jordan, and it's incredible. So you're able to see how he led with that mentality, how he was, first of all, he himself held himself to the highest standards, put, proved himself, and automatically held his teammates to the highest standards. What, what is the blueprint for that in technology where someone, what is the, the practice points? What is the sense that, that the blueprint for them to become such an exceptional type of person and then eventually hold themselves up to such a high standard that automatically they bring themselves up? And we'll get into leadership in the next process following that. To be an entrepreneur, founder of a business, 
and it doesn't matter whether it, it is in tech or um, you know uh, sell groceries you need to have a really strong mentality and mindset why because of the ups and downs you know um, people um, read the um, the news about um, a company did a fantastic exit, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, happy picture of uh, all the employees together celebrating. But in many cases, it was it was a, a real roller coaster. Uh, so you have to be really strong and you cannot do it by yourself. You have to surround yourself with great people. I think um, a, the second element is don't be afraid to fail. Try again and again and again. Be honest with yourself and um, when when thing goes wrong, to ask yourself, did I really ask the right questions? You know, high tech is very simple. If the, if I need to describe what is the ultimate recipe for um, tech companies is you identify a problem. Hopefully it's a, a meaningful problem for uh, many people or many organizations. And you manage to find a way to solve this problem uh, in a very innovative way. So either you discover the problem that did not exist before, or you try to solve an existing problem in a different way, cheaper, better, or whatever. And, and in order to be um, a, such a player, you have to ask yourself questions about um, how big is the market, for example? Is it a real problem? Is it a nice to have a kind of stuff or it's a must have element for uh, individual organization depends on your um, on the sector you want to go after so all those things together are really important um, and, and I think um, when you when you think about the the, the the ups and downs you know the the roller coaster another advice about um, about the downs uh, when you go through hell keep going it, it is part of the journey and make sure that you keep your team morale when when you get to difficult time with a perspective about what's happening around you, always stay uh, strong with your convictions. You are the only one, if you are the CEO, if you are the founder, you know better than anybody else what's the right way for the business. People should challenge you, should ask you very tough questions, but at the end of the day, stay closer to your convictions and, and learn from, from the journey. Uh, I'm a great believer in listening to to what's happening in, in the field. So I'm listening to, to a, my customer success calls with customers, my um, a, a sales development uh, team members when they are pitching um, a high bulb to um, to the clients, and you learn a lot. You also learn a lot from from talking to churn customers, those who decided that. Um, for some reason, you're not good enough for them. If you spend time learning from from churn customers, it's a it's a treasure. Uh, it's a treasure, and and you will find so many things about um, stuff that did not you were not aware of, or things that you planned and and and, and it fell short uh, because you were not paying it uh, the right attention to it. So so the journey of being an entrepreneur. Uh, and building a company, you know, beyond the ups and downs and the people around you and, and the very strong mentality, uh, it requires a lot of work. You work very hard. I always say, um, hi, Bob, is like my uh, fifth uh, child. You wake up in the morning 
to you know to deal with uh, with your new baby uh, you you wake up in the middle of the night because something is bothering you and uh, if you don't treat it this way then most likely it will fail there is no autopilot in startups you can imagine you can dream uh, sitting on on the pilot chair and, and just uh, clicking on a button and then then the plane goes automatically to the destination. That's not the case. You have to hold the stick tight uh, all the time. And if I'm, uh, I must admit that um, being an entrepreneur, I would say it's very addictive. There is nothing compared to the um, uh, intellectual, emotional rewards you get when when you do something. Not necessarily when you win. Of course, when you win, it's it's, it's fantastic. But in many cases, when you overachieve challenges uh, and problems it's it's uh, it's addictive and very rewarding um, and once you do once you do it once uh, it's um, almost impossible not to do it again and again and again i was about to ask you why do you do it you know, why do you do it why do you need this headache you sold the previous company baruch hashem for incredible incredible amounts of money that you could set sail off to who knows where you know live with your kids and you know and then god willing grandkids and uh, have a good life and you know to play some roulette on the side and invest in some companies why why do you need that headache of the uncertainty the challenges the, the you know the unknown of coming into in, into work every single day i can give you a specific um, answer about um, about hybob um a was founded um, about six years ago we are 420 people in, you know, in different offices all around the globe from Sydney, Australia, uh, Amsterdam in Netherlands, um, Sweden in the UK, in North America, in Tel Aviv, of course. And um, what, what we do is we offer a people management platform for uh, modern businesses. Now, HR platforms have been around for decades. Uh, ADP was founded in 1949. What is it? More than 70 years ago, people were working. They had to get uh, pay slips and report their time off and PTO and and so on and so forth. So when when we decided to to found the business and and I'm I'm a co-founder of of Bob. I have Israel David is my co-founder. He's the CTO of the business. When we decided to found the company, we decided to do something that can make an impact. To me, impact was it has to be global. It has to be a platform, SaaS platform. Barrier to entry is very high. So it really takes a lot of efforts, innovation, courage, whatever you want to call it, to, to build it in, in a huge market. Now, when we founded the business six years ago, nobody thought that uh, the world of work will change completely the way we see it now. What we see today, the way people work today and the shift, it's like you are in Berlin when, when the world was falling falling down. It's happening live in our generation. So uh, we thought that uh, the way people work uh, will change. And, and I, our idea was it was it will be driven by the generation transformation. You know, the fact that uh, younger people will get work, you know, the Y and the Z generation, and they will have a different expectations about how work they should look like. Everything should be in the flow of work. They care a lot about their experience like consumer. They wanted to, to find the same uh, a cool experience they have on the mobile devices or, or the consumer application they use uh, when they get to work. So we thought, let's, let's build something different. We call it, and we actually invented the category, we call it, um, we didn't call it system of record. 
we didn't call it system of automation. We came up with an idea, let's call it system of engagement, system of collaboration. But the focus was not only on automating processes for finance or for HR only. Of course, we do that and we check all the boxes on on, on payroll and, um, and document management, etc. But we thought there is another element that is missing. And this is the ability of people to engage. And most specifically for, um, I would say, a well-defined market. Focus is a big, big thing in, in startups. Startup is all about what not to do. There are so many things to do. You need to make a decision really what to do because the blanket is short and you cannot do everything you want. So for us, the idea of building system of engagement was we looked at the legacy players, Oracle, SAP, Workday, ADP, those uh, players, and they've been around for decades. They're, they design their platforms before the current employees that we see today were born. So there was a, a big gap between what was built and became a standard in the industry to where the market is. And we said, okay, let's innovate. Let's do something. And I like uh, a fantastic quote that came from Josh Belzen. Josh Belzen is the HR guru in our industry. I think he has millions of followers and he, he, he knew about us from, from the very beginning. And he defined HiBob as um, the Instagram of HR tech. And when COVID hit uh, two years ago uh, and everybody were forced to move from, you know, work from the office to work from home within a week or two weeks. And, and it's all about today, it's about hybrid and remote. We were the right platform with the right models and features and a fantastic experience that any business, modern business, that was forced to uh, to adapt their operations to, to the pandemic, uh, they were looking for a, a solution like us. Of course, we are not the only one, but, um, but I think we, we predicted that the market will require a high level of engagement by employees and all the, you know, the, the paradigms that we are aware of for, for decades, you know, work nine to five, work from the office, work full time, work in main cities. All those uh, convictions were, were completely changing. You know, today we talk about work from home, work from anywhere, work from life, work-life balance well-being, diversity, inclusion. These are all very important topics. We were there when the pandemic pandemic, uh, impacted the world. So the digital transformation that uh, we thought that it will take, um, I don't know, many years until we get to to a complete um, digital transformation was accelerated. So within... I would say two months, everything was accelerated, was, everything was on steroids, uh, and we were there, and uh, we provide a, a solution to a, a very painful, painful uh, problem for, for, for our customers or potential customers, as we, we offered Bob as a mission-critical platform for businesses. If you, are, if you think, if you're modern, and you think about hybrid, and you think about collaboration, and you think about remote, and you think, and you care about your people, and you care about retention, and you care about culture, uh, then you have to have a technology that will allow you to do so. Uh, it's not just um, clocking a clock out or um, records about employees. It's a new dimension, and we we anticipated that that it will happen. And since COVID, uh, we are really uh, growing very. Uh, very nicely. We have almost 2,000 
uh, customers. We close about 300, um, even more, 300 new customers every quarter. Our, the, our definition of our customers are an organization with um, hundreds of employee, employees, some of them a few hundreds, some of them many hundreds of employees. The vast majority of them are very low, very well-known logos and brands. I think uh, maybe two days ago, we, we closed in the UK a, a big um, a, a car company. I mean, you would not imagine that um, a, a car company um, a, would think about um, modern business, but they definitely thought that um, it is important for them. And, and they've decided to, to buy us into our platform. And the market is endless, if I'm. It, the market is endless, and um, we really want to be the one that will make an impact in every modern business on the planet with uh, a few hundreds of employees. We, are, we have no intention to compete on the many thousands of employees. We are good with, um, you know, let's say between 100 employees to 5,000 employees and to serve those customers globally from, from Australia to um, a west of Canada, Wow, there's so many ways, there's so many ways to go over here. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And to see like, you know, the passion and enthusiasm you talk about, it's amazing. And it's not just about like creating a company, you look at it as a social mission. And one of the things that, that really stands out is like a few things. The first thing is, you know, you're coming from, you have no HR background. Yes, you built a company and you had to deal with HR. But in a sense, from the HR perspective, like a guy like Josh, whose whole industry is HR, so he grew up in HR, you don't have that. So the evenness and the evite that you had probably when you started that company, like thinking like, hey, I'm going to just start a company in HR, it'll be easy and I'll build it up and change the world, is what keeps you going. It is what entrepreneur, like, you know, it has that aspect of like, we're going to, and then you realize obviously once you start how the, all the issues that come together with building a company in that space that you don't know about, but that and the evenness is what really is incredible to see. And it seems like you still have it. It's amazing because it, which is what, keeps you going forward to really realize you're going to change the world and make a massive impact. You're so right, because when I co-founded my previous company in the CDN space, uh, when we were talking to people, say, it's not going to work. Um, Akamai, Akamai acquired us, but they said they have 75% market share. There's no way you can compete against them. Forget about it. And we were naive and we believed in ourselves. And we say, of course, we'll do it. And the rest was history because our technology was way better than, than Akamai. Uh, actually, if I remember correctly, uh, about third of the internet traffic has been served by Akamai. And Akamai adopted the innovative technology that we have built in, in Cotendo, my previous company. And, and, and it become uh, today, it is, it is uh, a standard. In, around the innovation that we brought to the table. Um, and, and I think it's, there is a common denominator between so many Israeli entrepreneurs, and I would say entrepreneurs anywhere. I think um, you dare to think big. You dare to, to take um, on yourself huge challenges and with a strong belief that you can, you can solve it. Of course, you need luck, but uh, you know, in order for luck to find you, you need to find the right lane to stay in. So you'll be picked up. And, um, and I'm glad that, um, you know, Israel is so, has so uh, impactful element in, in uh, innovation around the globe. We, we spoke about it in our brief call, if I'm, you know, I think there are about 900 more or less unicorns on the planet. It changes every day, of course. 900 unicorns. Unicorns, it's a private company that is valued of uh, more than 1 billion. One out of 10 are Israeli-based uh, companies. So it, it's about it's about 90. Again, it changes 
90, 90 unicorns in Israel. And just to give a perspective, in Australia, there's only two or three. That's it. In the UK, there are probably less than 20 or 30. So, so by far, uh, Israel is um, a center of excellence, center of intelligence, innovation, and we are all very proud of it. Wow, incredible, incredible. And it, it's, it's Yiddish Anachas. But you, you brought up an interesting point over here. Right now, unicorns are being minted and being birthed every single day. Now it's a new concept, a decacorn, I think it's pronounced, and then it's the next thing. You, you built three companies. You've worked for other companies. You lived through the 2000s. You lived through the 2008. And now you're living through this, the COVID, and you're living through now what's, going, what's happening right now in the economic system, which will probably be another recession within the next two years. Mensch Trach got lacht. Man, things got laughs. So we don't know really what's going to happen, we, what we can't predict, but obviously we have to prepare ourselves. First of all, what do you see different right now? Or what can you compare in the current environment, what's happening right now, to 2000 or to pre-2008? It's a great question. And you're right. Um, I've been in, uh, in 2000 and 2008, you know, two years ago and now again. I truly believe that um, like many industries, there are, there are cycles. However, I don't believe it will, there will be, um, a, I think there will be market correction. I don't think we are going to see anytime soon a real recession. Why? Because unlike 2000 and 2008, the economy is very strong. If you looked at the uh, earning calls of the uh, publicly traded company in, Q, in Q3, so no, now we're in the middle of Q4, um, a announcement. So I think more than 80% of the publicly traded company uh, announced in Q4 of 21 that they beat the numbers. Unemployment is back to where it was before COVID. I think the government has taken uh, the right decisions about how to manage you know, interest and how to deal with um, the chronic uh, inflation. So all in all, I, th- I think the, the, the market is, is getting back to normality. That's why we see correction. I don't think it's a, it's a recession. But what does it mean to, to, to CEOs or entrepreneurs? So what are the recommended to-do lists when you get into those uh, a, a situations or, or period of time? From my experience, watch your spend, number one. Make sure that you spend your money on the right things. The most important one. Not the nice to have, the must have ones. It's relevant to salaries. It's relevant to are you really hiring the, the right people? Are you really hiring the needed people? Are you is it the right time to expand? Is it the right time? So there's so many questions you need to ask yourself and then spend your budget wisely. Uh, and if you don't know, ask the people around you. Uh, ask your board members your mentors, any, 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 anybody who has experience um, uh, how to make the right decision. Number two, if you don't have um, a money enough in your bank, go and raise capital. And, and if, you, if you cannot raise capital, look for a credit line or, or debt to secure yourself. The last thing you want to take into account or really consider is um, dilution. You should not care about dilution now. You should care about having enough money uh, in your bank to at least at, at the minimum for the next 24 months minimum it will give you uh, the, the level of conf- confidence to to operate your business and then and then there's uh, when when everything goes what goes down must come up and vice versa I believe um, a, a few months into this correction to normality I think it will happen at the end of 2022 depends um, there will be again 
uh, upside and the one that will have the, the right technology, the right people, and, and they are laser focused on, on their execution, they will benefit from a fantastic backwind that they can really leverage uh, and take the all opportunities around to be successful. And, and, and make sure that you are very transparent with your team. Don't hide. You know, we do in, in, in HiBob, in my company, in every all-hands meeting, and we do it on a monthly basis, we share all the KPIs, all the numbers. Every employee in the company um, has access to any part of, of the business, you know, whether uh, numbers, percentage, you know, whether it's the dashboard is in green or in red, they have access to it because once they see it uh, and they understand what, it, what does it mean, they have, they are, they are more, I think they are more committed and they can help themselves grow from being good to be uh, exceptional. And the challenges, correction, recession, they are all a fantastic opportunity to tighten your um, your uh, your team, make sure that you really focus on the right things, and and it's 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 a good exercise to pause for a second, recalculate, rethink, and then come back with um, uh, hopefully the right uh, strategy and, and execute upon. I love that. You know, that's a basic a blueprint, a blueprint how to handle for the uncertainty of, of any type of startup, which is um, really what a startup should be doing from day one. Good times, bad times. You know, it's not about, you know, trying to get the fanciest office and, you know, and to get an architect to do an incredible, credible, you know, design and be really cool. But like you said, be frugal from the very start. Have that mindset. But you mentioned, you mentioned transparency. How much transparency is too much within a company? I don't think... Um... I don't think there is too much in, in it's it's about it's about the company DNA and the company and the company's culture. If you if you build if you're transparent and you share information with the team and you explain what this information means and uh, you don't try to um, you know um, to shine it and to only talk about the, the great stuff and you you are. You have the courage also to talk about the challenges uh, and you explain how you want to get out of it or why did you do something right. And, and it goes from you to your managers and to your team leaders and, 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 and to the people. I don't think, um, I don't see any issue with it. Uh, obviously, when you, let's say you are a publicly traded company, then it is a, an objective challenge because you cannot share information about business as you are as a private company. But I'm a great believer in transparency. I think, by the way, transparency and honest transparency reduces politics. And because everything is known to everybody, uh, you don't need to guess what's happening. And also we spend a lot of time trying to explain hopefully every employee in the business, what is, what's the unique way you are impacting or you can impact the business. We try to connect the dots between the, the cold call you do as a, as a BDR to, to a prospect, to the success of the company, you know, a QA engineer or, uh, or um, uh, somebody in, in, in the customer support or a BI engineer or somebody in HR. I hope because we invest a lot of efforts, I hope they understand where they are in the organization and how they are impacting or can create more impact on the business from what they do. 
it's incredible because, you know, we work, God willing, we live for 120 years. It's not the chef, God. And we work for, for 85, 75%, 80% of that time we're working. Why work for a place that you're not going to be, first of all, A, motivated, and B, where you're not going to be challenged to show up as your best self, learn, and become a better person. And, and hearing the way you speak and what's going on, hi, Bob. And you mentioned to me previously before the call that one of the best compliments he ever received about Hi Bob was from an employee he said who said that he feels like he's working, you know, almost for a social responsibility company, a place where they take where first aid from my understanding, where they really take care of their employees and they challenge yeah, them. He, he basically said, Sometimes I don't feel that I'm working for a business. I'm I feel that I'm part of a social movement that uh, try or wants to change the way people work globally. And it was a big compliment because um uh, when when you get to when you hear one of your um, uh, your employees uh, describe his 2021 journey this way, then uh, then hopefully we did we did we did the right thing for them. And, and but again, it's not autopilot. What works for you today or yesterday does not mean that it will work for you tomorrow. You have to hold the stick when you are flying and and do all the corrections that you need to do. Because everything is changing. You're growing, you're expanding, people leave the business, people join the business. So you have to, you have to manage it. But um, I'm very proud of my team. I'm very proud of our culture. And I'm very proud of what we offer our customers to make sure that they are nurturing their culture. We build a technology that allows them to put their people first. We build a fantastic technology that they can really do a, f- a fantastic job around retention, people retention. Uh, we build a fantastic tool for them to really understand what's going on. Is this specific individual as a, a, at risk, attrition risk, and why? We, we help managers in the company, HR, finance, and direct manager, to automate workflows for them so they can spend more time with, uh, with their people, managing them, especially when everything is remote or hybrid. Think about onboarding an employee that you have not seen and most likely you will never see in the next coming uh, months. How you uh, onboard, how you do, how you run performance review, uh, how you conduct a merit ingress discussion with people who live remotely, how you nurture the culture. If I'm the, the, there's one thing that um, I believe makes the change between organizations. And, and I mentioned that at the beginning of the conversation. It's all about the culture. As Peter Drucker mentioned last decade, culture will eat strategy for breakfast. I think he was so right about that. If a business has a strong culture, and what is culture? To me, it's the summation of relationship between people. If you have a strong culture and you know how to do it, it's, it's your DNA, then you do something right and something very unique. And, and do this exercise. Go and listen or read. Uh, all the interviews that um, uh, great entrepreneurs and CEO uh, gave to the press. And they were asked, uh, what was so unique about your team, about your business, about your company? And you hear that the most popular answer is um, our culture, our unique culture. So it means a lot. They are not talking about the revenues. They're not talking about the, the market. At the, at the end of the, of the journey, they only talk about people and they talk about culture. What we try to do in HiBob is build a technology, a system of engagement that will allow every manager in the team and hopefully, hopefully uh, any modern business on the planet to use 
so they can be a better managers. Uh, and they will have a more productive HR units, and they will have they will maximize their chances to be, to build a very unique DNA in culture, strong culture, strong DNA, great people. This is the recipe for a fantastic success on the business. You join companies, you live because of your managers, always. So then how important is social responsibility? How important is it for a company to have a, to give back to the community, to have a social responsibility? And what does impact mean to you beyond the creation of your company, beyond iBob? Yeah, I hope, I hope I'm doing enough. I'm not sure, but uh, it's a high priority for me as an individual, but also for, for the business. And I'm a great believer that uh, we were lucky in, in high tech uh, because we work for um, companies who are digitalizing health, education, payment, commerce, HR, uh, cyber, whatever. We're, we were lucky, but, but because we are lucky, we have uh, a social obligation to give back. And giving back does not mean to donate money. I think that's the easy way. You, you, you donate money and then and you check the box, I did it. I think it's more about volunteering. It's more about being involved in what's happening to you. I'll give an example of something that we did in, in HiBob uh, two months ago. We, we teamed with um, an organization that uh, helps um, IDF soldiers. Uh, you know, post-traumatic uh, soldiers, and we invite them to visit our offices to hear about what we do. And also, we, we went with them for a few days to hang out together in the desert. We slept together in, um, in, in, um, in, 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 in tents in, in, uh, in, in Judea Desert so to get to know each other because we think that... Um, they, they, are, they, they have contributed so much for, uh, for, for the state of Israel, and they deserve recognition, they deserve hugs, they deserve the welcoming that, uh, that uh, we try to do, and we are now trying to convince our customers to do it with us. Uh, we are not the only one. There are dozens of um, tech companies who really take this um, a mission seriously. Uh, you know, contributing back to, to to the society, helping children and and you know um, uh, women. Um, uh, I I think it's a it's a must have. Um, if I was uh, in board uh, uh, rooms, I would say it should be part of the company KPIs to report to the to the board every year about what the company did in in terms of giving back to. Um, to society, uh, we're doing it in Israel, but and we are planning to do it in other countries as well. It's not only because we're here in Israel. We would like our team in the UK to give back to the community where they live. Uh, same goes for our team in, in in the Nordics, in the US. Um, I think um, I think it's 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 our obligation to give back, and it's not just fancy words. Um, we truly believe in it. And you will see that uh, people will respect your business way more than, than if you only think about your profit and about um, maximizing the working hours of your people. They will you get a, a higher level of commitment 
And this is one of the triggers to help people grow from being good to be exceptional. Exceptional is not only in business. It's not only in, I don't know, making another call or fixing another bug. Exceptional means that um, the team around you, the company around you, the society you work in. So I, I think it, everything is tied together. So what do we tell a young Ronnie, 21 years old, has a whole entire world in front of him. He's able to do multiple things. He could go, travel South America, end up in Costa Rica, become a surf bum, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. You go and try to be, do something. You could go become a soccer player. You go get into high tech. A young 21-year-old year Ronnie has a whole entire world in front of him. Could do whatever he wants. What message would you like to depart to him? Yeah. Um, number one, life is short. And you only live once. Make sure that uh, you make the right decision about your life. If it's great, keep going. If not, time to change. Secondly, be patient. This generation has a sense of urgency. Everything has to be, if not tomorrow, then today. So it takes time. Gain experience. Learn from other people. Make sure that you're surrounded by teams that um, help you grow and that can empower you. You're going to live forever. You're going to work forever. I mean, people will work until their late 80s if they will, if they will live until then. They will. So uh, there's no sense of urgency to be a VP customer success after two, uh, two roles. I don't know, a, a CS and then a CS team leader. So my next job is VP. Take time. It takes time. Uh, build the muscles. Uh, enjoy the ride and make sure that um, when time is ready, and you feel that you are mature enough to do the next move, do it. And you can do many moves. People are founding businesses when they are in the 25 or 26. I salute them because they can do probably 10 startups in their life. Not like me, three. Uh, so they can do much more. Enjoy, enjoy life. Enjoy the ride. And make sure that you choose the right thing for, um, for yourself. Ronnie, I want to thank you. I mean, I have no words to thank you. But I still want to thank you. And there's no doubt in my mind that we could probably continue this conversation for another two hours. I'm ready to go for another two hours, no problem. Go on the marathon over here. And I know our relationship is just starting, and we're going to talk multiple, many more times. We'll probably have a second session, too, also. But I want to thank you for, first of all, contributing what you did over here. I've learned a tremendous amount. And like I always say, I always believe that a conversation is not the words being transferred over, but it's more the underlying conversation, what's not being said, and the emotions that come together with it. And I know I feel very stirred up emotionally in a positive way from this whole entire conversation of, of listening to, to you and your story and the advice and the tips you've shared and your, your experience. I feel emotionally recharged and I also feel stirred up where, Thank you. and I know, you know, it's not, I know there's no doubt it's going to impact the thousands of listeners that are going to listen to this episode to really do something in their life. And it's all about impacting one person that that one person listens to this episode and they, right after this episode, they do, they take some type of action. And then we know we were successful. And that's what it's all about. But I want to wish you a lot of success. Thank you. you. Hi, Bob. And I'm personally here for your family and for, for, for Hi, Bob, any way I possibly can. And I look forward to hosting you on Shabbat in New York. And I'm truly, truly grateful for, for your time and everything you shared. So thank you. Thank you. Fine. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. I hope you're able to learn something from Ronnie and apply it to your personal life, your startup life, or wherever else you're holding currently in your journey.
And if your company is looking to sponsor the next episode of Founder Stories, please get in touch with me on LinkedIn at Ephraim Yamrath. Now, don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes with the most amazing, amazing founders. Thank you and have a great week.